0: I'm curious if there's any scars or bumps or bruises from an uh, implementation of continuous improvement perspective that come to mind.
1: Yeah, I think just always remember what problem you're trying to solve. Um, I think something that came up recently, there's this famous quote that Einstein was like, if he had an hour to solve a problem, he would spend 55 minutes defining the problem and five minutes solving it. Um, that recently came up in a conversation with us at work. Um, But we are really good at solving problems. We are really good at getting to root cause. And what we struggle with sometimes is the same. So even something that we all take for granted is like, oh, just if you understand the problem, everything becomes easy. That's not true for us. So really knowing who you are and what problems you're solving, you can't buy a solution from someone else if you don't understand what you need so it's just remembering to keep asking and digging at that question because if you get there the solution is going to be really impactful. but
2: if you take shortcuts you might just come back so hello bots and thotters the team and i at salient process are thrilled to bring you a new special guest from the 2023 opex conference sarah tilkins who is not only GE Healthcare's senior manager of operational excellence, but also maintains a leadership and executive coaching practice as well. Our discussion traverses topics like her story and how she grew from a biology person to now leading operational excellence at GE Healthcare, the importance of working with your operators on the floor in solving business problems, and of course, her special gifts that she has to offer the next crop of business leaders through her KPI lab. I am thrilled to bring you all, Sarah Tilkins from GE Healthcare.
0: I sense that you've been this way, growth-oriented, helping people for quite a while, and not just come out of the blue. Am I right about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's true.
0: How, if you could take me back to if there was a moment where you were like I wanted to explore operational excellence, what was that mm-hmm. moment? Or was it was more of like an evolution.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I started as a kid who was just like obsessed with finding answers to stuff and like mm-hmm. science and puzzles. Like, never did the adult puzzles Loved puzzles. That's exactly. Bi- biological science. Yeah. Too. So I went to college for biology because I like science. Um, I did biomedical research for a couple years after college because I thought the thing I'm interested in is science, so like I should do this for a career, and I was just like really out of place because mm-hmm. it didn't match it was. like mm-hmm. I'm super extroverted, um, yes I like solving problems, but there's a lot of discipline in science that like, didn't really align with me. also a was so I'm
0: going to talk about that.
1: They don't talk back. And so it was just, it was really isolating and it was really repetitive. Um, And so I learned a lot about scientific thinking, right? Um, When I was in my organization, they were doing certifications um, for their lab quality people Mm -hmm. in Six Sigma. So I started to understand um, when I was like 20. What Six Sigma was and how you could apply it, and so it was like the blend of the scientific method with this discipline of analyzing data for improvement. just always had me super curious. Then I went into customer service. I went into construction. I worked in construction project management for many years, but I was always the annoying person who was like asking, why are we doing it this way, and mm-hmm. nitpicking process, I just wanted to fix everything. Um, and then I just decided one day that I was gonna work for GD Healthcare. Um, yeah. Because I just felt like that was the place where I be BC. Like this way of being, it's, it's local in Milwaukee, huge reputation for Six Sigma, huge mm-hmm. reputation for lean methodology. Yeah, so started the internal level program. Yeah, exactly. So I got a black belt because my resume was bizarre and I didn't think <laughs> that anyone would touch me with a ten foot pole. So I paid for a black belt and I just never hurt and um, I had a couple different offers to get in. So I joined um, as a lean leader. I had no idea what lean was so mm-hmm. everything that I learned I kind of learned internal. Um, and it just found like I, it felt like I found the only language mm-hmm. um, to describe my way of being that mm-hmm. I just never had. So that, again, you mentioned my need to improve. It was like, oh my god, here's a toolkit to do all of the things I would love to do. And it just helped it, like, make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, here's a toolkit. There's a place to hang those tools and a space to use them. Yep. I'm curious, you're leading operational excellence at GE Healthcare. What does that look like? You mentioned bits and pieces of your training skills, tools, methods. What does that look like on a daily, weekly? yearly basis
1: so it's really just um, solving problems and training problem solvers so Mm -hmm. I think understanding the direction that the organization is going and you know being called to those big initiatives so that we can help solve problems but something that I'm really passionate about is like I don't I don't want to do the problem solving I want to equip people with the capability to solve problems for themselves And a lot of that involves figuring out who you are and how you like to solve problems, and then, you know, the tools come after that. So it's like finding that intrinsic motivation and then, you know, helping unlock people to do their best work. That's amazing. Such a
0: theme here at OpEx this week, not doing the lean work yourself as a practitioner, as a black belt, you know you can do it, but what would that do for the rest of your organization if you do it yourself? Inspiring maybe the next generation of belts to do it themselves, more, more so empowering the next generation of belts to do it themselves has such a such a longer lasting almost generational effect on not just the outcome of the organization and the development of that organization. I'm really excited and motivated by How important people and people development is in continuous improvement. I think there's misconceptions out there where operational excellence and continuous improvement is just strictly about problem solving, doing your discovery, understanding the problem, ideating on solutions, prioritizing them, implementing them, moving on to the next one. Goes so much farther beyond that into this world of leadership and people development that that's really cool and important I think to to underscore. Yeah. Um, you've probably been on a, a number of fun projects uh, either at GE or or previously. I'm curious what are what are some of your favorite projects you you've been involved with? Uh, what was it like when you got assigned to that project? What was the situation going into it? What happened, and what was the what was the result?
1: Mm. Um. I think the most fun projects that I've ever done are the ones that I've chosen, mm. not that I've been assigned to. Yeah, there's something to that. <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't know, one that was like actually really easy to solve, but it still just comes to front of mind is we were just having a, an output issue where essentially, let's say, we had to get 100 through a machine and we were getting 50. Mm. And all of the math and all of the tools verified that we had all of the capability in the world to mm. achieve the results and nobody could figure out why we couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just sat and talked to our operators for a union you environment. Told you <laughs> the <operators laughs> yeah. They know this. I essentially just again like helped them find the motivation. I helped them believe that it was possible and then someone did it once. And it created this ripple effect. Then someone did it again. And so essentially we, we doubled out this, this problem that we had, and the solution was talking to humans and convincing them why this is important and that it's possible. And it just, it stuck. Because again, we would just allow people to find their own path there. Instead of saying, oh, I'm gonna rebound the system, I'm gonna change the cell, I'm gonna do all of this work. No, oh, this is a people problem. We don't have to overcomplicate this. Let's just, let's talk to the people.
0: Wow your machine output was a people problem. Yeah. That's counterintuitive, yeah. not obvious. But yeah. to you, it, it seems obvious.
1: I mean, it's just like, again, clarify what problem you're solving and ask yourself why. So, right, I did first verify the data. I looked at all the capacity models. I looked at the historic trends. Like, I confirmed my gap, and it didn't line up. So that's the whole concept of go to the gamma, is just go understand what's happening and, and why. And, you know, it was a hypothesis that it was a people problem. It was, I believe that if I talk to people, I will get better information. Okay, I believe that now that I've talked to people, I have information and I'm going to run this experiment. I'm going to incentivize you to play with me. I'm going to make it a game. I'm going to see how close we can get. I'm going to pitch you against another person for fun. And just, you know, it's these little micro experiments that you're running. But again, you're taking a community with you and you're engaging
0: them. Fun. Really fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. <laughs> uh, speaking of fun, I'm going to take a little left-hand turn here. You've recently started, I um, don't want to call it a side project or side hustle, a passion <laughs> project, a, a new venture. How would you describe the KPI lab? Why'd you start it? How's it going? Tell us all about it.
1: Oh, um, yeah. Um, that's, it's a long-ish story, but I'll try to be quick. <laughs> that's okay. Um, A couple years ago, uh, I had been in GE for a while. Um, I felt like I was dealing with a lot of imposter syndrome because there were so many powerful leaders and I didn't know how to stand amongst them in my own. So I was looking to pick up behaviors of other people to be successful and I wasn't being successful. So this lined up with Covid, I actually had my daughter month one of the pandemic, wow. um, and so I was just in this whirlwind of trying to figure out how to be a leader, trying to figure out how to be a mom, and trying to align those two identities to just like who I am. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to start working with a life coach, yeah. and that life coach helped me to get really clear on um, just that, like who I was. So instead of feeling like there were multiple hats, it was just coming home to my values and the impact that I want to have on the world. And as soon as I stopped looking outside for validation and I started saying, here's how I create value, here's who I am, and allowing people to buy me instead of trying to force a sale on them, it just changed everything about how I showed up in the world the impact I was having how I was able to lead because I was taking care of myself
0: first yeah, yeah. my
1: ability to serve others shifted a lot mm-hmm. and so I decided to become meaning
0: purpose in that. So it's a cycle. yeah mm-hmm.
1: and I uh, decided to become a life coach because of that. So just to have like a broader impact, I really wanted to offer that back to other people. Um, and the KPI Lab was kind of born out of this desire to just keep people really central to the way we're doing organizational problem solving. So we talk about lean methods, we talk about talent optimization, it's coaching and consulting, but it's my way of just offering my gifts that I know that I have to people who want to work with me. So it's been really fun to build models internally and to get to learn from external organizations you know, how they're doing CI improvement, how they're using people and doing culture programs. And so it's just, yeah, it's a passion project, but it is enabling me. It's just all of my values and all of the impact that I want to have kind of coming together in a business.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I wish you the be absolute best on that. Thank you. For interested parties, where can they learn more about
1: the KPI? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can go to the website. It's uh, thekpilab.com. There's some great information on there. Um, and if you have questions, just reach out. I just want to help.
0: So yeah. I'm so
1: curious as I get started.
0: Um, yeah. Like, here's
1: who I am. This is what I love. Whatever resonates. Like, let's just talk about it.
0: I'll underscore that. My wife and I are huge mental health advocates, and that's close to life coaching, that's close to performance coaching, that's close to executive coaching, that's close to continuous improvement. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, it's really good stuff. What you're doing, thank you. We
1: talk about um, how to use people and how to do culture and there's a lot of understanding of we need to motivate the workforce and we need to focus on culture and a lot of the work that i want to do is help to operationalize that like how do we measure behaviors every single day that are leading indicators of long-term cultural success so like really taking all of those things and giving companies an operating system so that they can actually do the things that they want to do, have the impact they want
0: to have. And it's not just feel-good stuff either. It translates into tangible personal benefits, business benefits, team output. Uh, I don't wanna press you for numbers, but does how does this tangibly manifest in, in business results ever come up? Do you ever get asked those questions? How do you respond to the quantitative output or outcome of your approach, um, and, and I know it's a it is a bit of qualitative space. What we're talking about is getting the most out of, of people in, in an operational sense context. But um, yeah, what comes to mind with quantitative output?
1: I'm still trying to understand how to measure that. I feel like um, some of the benefits I've seen from my team specifically are increased productivity and efficiency. Um, I think retention is a big play there. Like, we talk about mentorship and sponsorship, but when you have a coach who can truly see you and care for you, that's a whole different type of organizational perk that's really, I think, creating some magnetism between me and some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for the people that I support, it's, again, a, a retention play primarily and a productivity play. So when working with a coach, what I do with my clients is, again, I help them find they're special. And so their ability to advocate for themselves, to play the right role for their organization changes. So you might have a really great quarterback who right now is in the position of a kicker. So it's like helping people to understand who they are, and then again, advocacy, so that they want to serve you, they want to be here, but let them do so in a way where they can create more and more value. So, um, TV, um, no, and no, a proposition that, yeah. I completely
0: get that, I'm waiting into gray territory here with our business audience, but if anyone is asking about what's the quantitative value of what we're talking about here, then they're
2: probably not
0: for us anyways. <laughs> It's very intuitive, the value of what we're talking about here. And I'm sure we can make a, a business case for the, uh, for the interested parties out there. But if you're really asking about what's the ROI on things like the KPI lab and investing in operational excellence, then yeah, there's a, um, that's another conversation.
1: There's an interesting study I'd be happy to share with you if you want to offer it to your audience, that the um, executive coaching firm that we brought in to work with us at GD Healthcare did a case study on um, what that actually offered to the leaders and, I mean, extreme promotions, um, extreme opportunities. So again, there are some quantitative figures in there. I mean, for me personally, um, my income has increased by 60%. Nice. So, it's just starting to go through that internal transformation because, yeah. again, if you know who you are, um, you, can, you can offer yourself in a deeper way. You can create more value for the right people. So, it's just taking, instead of shining your light all over the place, it's like harnessing that energy and just like focusing mm-hmm. and creating a different, deeper type of value. So, um, yeah, yeah I'd be to share that. Thank
0: you. That's all good stuff. Please do. In the show notes here. Um, Rapid fire question time for you. I'm curious if there's any scars or bumps or bruises from uh, an implementation of continuous improvement perspective that come to mind. Uh, Our listeners could really
1: benefit from lessons learned as they go about this work within their organizations. Yeah, I think just always remember what problem you're trying to solve. Um, I think something that came up recently, there's this famous quote that, I think it's Einstein, of like, if he had an hour to solve a problem, he would spend 55 minutes defining the problem and five minutes solving it. Um, that recently came up in a conversation with us at work, um, but we are really good at solving problems. We are really good at getting to root cause, and what we struggle with sometimes is sustainment.
2: So even something that we all take for
1: granted is like, oh, just if you understand the problem, everything becomes easy. That's not true for us. So really knowing who you are and what problems you're solving, you can't buy a solution from someone else if you don't understand what you need. So it's just remembering to keep asking and digging at that question, because if you get there, the solution's going to be really impactful. But if you take shortcuts, it um, might just come back. So.
0: That's incredibly insightful and a golden nugget for our audience. 55 minutes to define the problem, five to solve it. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. Yeah. Um, is there a message out there for folks people like you or aspiring to be like you that uh, you could put on a billboard for, for them to see on their way into work every day and really internalize a billboard message?
1: Mm-hmm. Probably something along the lines of like, y'all are already enough. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's this idea of, you know, I have to have a degree, I have to be an expert, but like, everyone already has something to offer. Yeah. And in the times that you can't find that within yourself, find someone who can help you see that because we're all innately special and we have a tremendous amount of value. Um, so sometimes it's just you know, if you're used to looking in the mirror, you see what you always see, so get someone else to offer you a different perspective because we all have these superpowers and it's just a matter of foundation. Um, mm-hmm.
0: You're enough. You're more than enough. <laughs> I'm <laughs> starting to feel like I'm you know, somewhere. Perfect. I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much, time, yeah. so much for your time. I would be the one to be operational response leader. Thank you.
2: Thanks for listening to another episode of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. Be sure to never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Don't forget to connect and interact with us. You can find us on Bots and Thoughts' own LinkedIn page, and we're constantly running feedback surveys and ask that if you've made it this far in the episode, show us some love by responding to a survey and following us on LinkedIn. Finally, if you or someone you know would like to be a special guest on the show, we have a nomination form also down in the description for you to fill out. And with that, see you next episode and happy automating.